Remember the good old days before Microsoft Word had autosave? You'd type up some important document and then your computer would freeze and you'd lose hours of work just because you forgot to hit save? Well, that's what it's like going online without ExpressVPN. Every time you're connected to an unencrypted network, whether it's in an airport, a hotel, a cafe, or anywhere, your online data is not secure. Any person on that same network who knows what they're doing can gain access to your personal data. Bank logins, credit card details, passwords, all the stuff you don't want people seeing. Unfortunately, hacking has become much easier than it used to be. People don't even have to be exceptionally skilled to do it, and there's a lot of money to be made by selling your information on the dark web. ExpressVPN stops hackers from stealing your data by creating a secure, encrypted tunnel between your device and the internet. It's incredibly easy to use. Once the app is running, you literally click one button to get protected. And it works on your phone, laptop, tablet, and more, so you can stay protected on the go. I've been using ExpressVPN for a little while now, and I can rest easy knowing my info is safe and secure. I've heard horror stories of people who've been hacked, and it sounds like a massive pain to try to get any resolution in the aftermath, so I am not interested in finding out what that process is like. Secure your online data today by visiting expressvpn.com slash slashfilm. That's E-X-P-R-E-S-S-V-P-N dot com slash slashfilm, and you can get an extra three months free. expressvpn.com slash slashfilm. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. This year has gone by incredibly quickly, but it's always nice to pause and take stock. What's something you're proud of in 2024 so far? What's something you still want to accomplish this year? I know I'm guilty of falling into a routine and not always thinking about the bigger picture, but as the great Ferris Bueller once said, life moves pretty fast. If you don't stop and look around once in a while, you can miss it. So it's crucial to take a moment to celebrate your wins and make adjustments for the rest of the year. Therapy can help you contextualize your progress and set achievable goals for the next six months. As you surely know by now, it's not only for people who have experienced major trauma. Therapy is helpful in all kinds of ways, including learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. If you've been considering trying therapy, check out BetterHelp. It's fully online and was specifically designed to be flexible and customizable to your schedule. To get started, just fill out a brief questionnaire that matches you up with a licensed therapist, and you can switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Take a moment. Visit BetterHelp.com FilmDaily today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P, dot com slash film daily. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Slash Film Daily for June 6th, 2018. This is Slash Film Editor-in-Chief Peter Sarda, and joining me today is Weekend Editor Brad Oman. Hey, that's me. And writers Y Tran Bowie. Hey, everyone. And Chris Evangelista. Hi. Uh, today we're going to talk about film and TV news. Let's just get into it. Uh, and that includes some trailer reactions and early buzz of some of the summer's most anticipated films. But we'll start off with the with the with the news, and that is Lord of the Rings. We've been talking about this Lord of the Rings TV series that Amazon has been working on. Originally, we heard that Peter Jackson might be involved. But it seems like that is not the case at all. Brad, what do we know? Yeah, a little while back, there was a word going around that Peter Jackson was in the midst of considering either being involved with Amazon's Lord of the Rings TV series, which is supposed to take place before the events of Fellowship of the Ring, or that he was considering tackling some kind of DC Comics movie. But apparently, in a a recent interview with uh, the French entertainment outlet Allocine, uh, they asked him about both prospects, and he denied both of them. He said, uh, I'm not involved at all in the Lord of the Rings series. I understand how my name could come up, but there's nothing happening with me on this project. And then when they asked about uh, any potential DC Comics title he was working on, he says, that's not true. 
I had no discussions about that. I'm not a fan of comics. I've never read any, so I'm not particularly interested in adapting one for cinema. That's not true at all. So, bummers for anybody who is looking forward to Peter Jackson heading back to Middle Earth or developing his first comic book movie, uh, or, or at least a superhero comic book movie, since, uh, you know, The Adventures of Tintin is uh, essentially a comic book adaptation. Now, I'm, you know, I'm not the biggest Lord of the Rings fan here. I'm probably the least favorite, uh, the least uh, fan of Lord of the Rings probably on this podcast. But to me, this news is good because, you know, we've seen six films of Peter Jackson doing Lord of the Rings. Uh, I want to see a different vision. I don't want it to, to look like what we've seen before. I want... Uh, you know, I I want them to build a different version of this world, not just you know recreation what we've seen in those movies. Uh, Brad, do you have any any thoughts on that? Yeah, that's pretty much how I feel too. You know, um, Peter Jackson did an amazing job with the original Lord of the Rings trilogy. It's one of my favorite uh, film series of all time. But The Hobbit is almost on the opposite end of the spectrum. I really didn't like any of the movies. I thought it was too drawn out, and it really felt like Peter Jackson was just treading water, and he had really you know, diminished his returns with the, those movies. And so having him not come back, I think is great. I would rather see somebody else tackle it. I'd rather see, like you said, a different style. And plus, I would rather just see Peter Jackson tackle other projects. You know, he, he spent so many years of his life on those six movies, and it's just I would like to see him do you know, more stuff like uh, King Kong, or, you know, maybe hopefully direct the next Tintin movie, which they keep saying is coming at some point. <laughs> yeah, and, and, and much like George Lucas, it was like diminishing returns for the last three. So, uh, yeah, uh, let's move on to other news. Uh, this is for Avengers 4. I, th- I think by now probably everybody has seen Avengers Infinity War, but uh, we'll still tread lightly here. Um Chris Hemsworth, who plays Thor in the in the Marvel movies, is saying that Avengers Four will be even more shocking than Infinity War, which uh, had probably one of the most shocking endings of all time. Uh, HT, how can this possibly be? Well, that's the question, isn't it? Um, but Hemsworth is hyping up the next Avengers movie about a year before it will come out. Uh, so start your clocks. Essentially, this is where. We will just continue to see more news reports about how crazy and how big this movie will be. But uh, he said to Esquire, quote, If you are shocked by Infinity War, I think the second one is even more shocking for other reasons entirely. That's what kind of blew me away the first time I read both scripts is how they managed to orchestrate so many different characters, but give them each their own separate shots and moments and have it be elevated and feel fresh and unique, not just like a messy thrown-together assembly of these guys, end quote. So he says for others other reasons entirely so it may not be a surprising fate of some characters to put it in a non-spoilery term uh but perhaps some other twists or uh, plot development it's still very vague for now but i am kind of surprised that uh marvel is allowing chris hensworth to kind of run his mouth in this way uh because they're so uh, strict with these kind of plot spoilers although it's just kind of a a general vibe of what avengers 4 will be like rather than what actually will happen i was talking to a friend the other day about avengers 4 and i was we still don't even know who the villain is going to be is like thanos still going to be the villain in avengers 4 does anybody have any ideas of what avengers 4 who the bad guy could possibly be robocop (laughs) (laughs) Nope. I always assumed it would still be Thanos, just because, you know, infinite, 
Infinity War was originally split between three and four, and this is still kind of the second part of Thanos' story in a way. So I assumed it would be the same, but with a, maybe more time travel or sci-fi twist added to it. Not really sure. Hmm. Well, we will we will find out more as the next year progresses. Uh, but let's go to the other side of the spectrum from Marvel to DC. Uh, Warner Brothers is working on a Joker movie uh, with Joaquin Phoenix uh, and Todd Phillips. We've we've talked about that in the past. But uh, yesterday we learned, ye- yesterday afternoon we learned that Warner Brothers is also apparently developing a Jared Leto Joker standalone movie. Chris, why is this happening to us? Uh, I don't know. Maybe because life is bad and we we've all we're all being punished, but uh, yeah. So, uh, so <laughs> wow, you just that was the uh, that was the actual reaction that I had to this story. It's, it was a very shocking moment when this news broke because I, I feel like we we had all sort of moved on from Suicide Squad, and I honestly thought that Warner Brothers had also moved on from Suicide Squad, but apparently not. Um. Yeah, so they're giving Jared Leto his own standalone Joker movie. Uh, he's produce, he's executive producing it, um, but this isn't going to stop the other standalone Joker movie that Todd Phillips is directing with Martin Scorsese producing and Joaquin Phoenix apparently starring in. I mean, there's nothing official on that yet, but that's the rumor. Um, what what DC is and Warner Brothers are doing now? They're going to have two separate sort of uh, cinematic universes, I guess, where one is the, you know, the current DCEU as we know it. And that's going to include this new Joker movie and the Harley Quinn movie they're developing and Aquaman and that stuff. And then there's going to be this other banner called the new origins banner, which is like a completely different timeline that lets other actors play the same characters with stories that aren't connected. And, uh, on one level, I think that's kind of neat because that's so different than, you know, obviously what Marvel is doing. On another level, I just imagine that becoming very confusing and strange. And the bottom line is I don't know why they're doing this Joker movie with Jared Leto because I can't imagine anyone other than Jared Leto is excited about this. Uh, I don't think <laughs> I don't think anyone was overly impressed with his his work in Suicide Squad. I mean, you know, to give him the benefit of the doubt. A lot of his scenes got cut. I mean, he shot a lot more scenes for the the film that didn't end up in the final movie. But again, I I can't imagine anyone is is clamoring for this, but it's apparently happening. Okay, so is anyone here remotely excited for the possibility of a Jared Leto Joker movie? Cue silence. That's what I thought. Okay, um, <laughs> let's move I can, on. I bet there's a bunch of dudes wearing Affliction t-shirts who are super excited. <laughs> uh, we'll have to talk about this tomorrow, Brad. Tomorrow on the podcast. <laughs> um, okay, uh, let's move on to some early buzz. Uh, you know, summer is really heating up now, and the studios are screening. Uh, you know, the films that are coming out uh, in midsummer, and they did so uh, yesterday. Uh, they screened Jurassic World and The Incredibles two. Uh, I was at both screenings in L.A. Uh, Jurassic World. Uh, before we go to some of the the, the early buzz, I'll, I'll give you my quick reaction, which I gave uh, on Twitter. And it is uh, well. First of all, let me say that I, I 
really, really like the original Jurassic World a lot. I think it's the second best Jurassic Park movie by far. Um, I like it more than most people. Uh, Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom, I think, is a better shot movie. I think uh, the first half of that movie is so good and so much better than Jurassic World. Uh, The second half uh, kind of falls for me. And uh, without getting into specifics, the ending is just dumb. Uh, But the movie as a whole is, I, I, I think, worth seeing. There's a lot of cool action. There's like one action sequence that's done kind of like presented in one single shot uh which is clever and interesting and uh i i kind of love uh that there's you know some kind of interesting theme going on here with you know what is our responsibility after you know creating these things almost i guess almost westworld-esque uh but uh brad you you did a roundup for the site of what people thought uh what did people what did the first uh critics who saw this film think of jurassic world fallen kingdom the reviews have mostly fallen one way or the other on an extreme level. Um, the people who didn't like this movie really didn't like it. Uh, I saw several people even say they hate it, call it extremely stupid. But then there are some other people who kind of went along for the ride, accepted that this movie was going to be relatively ridiculous and have featured dumb characters making poor decisions and dinosaurs being action heroes. Uh, and they accepted it. So it's, there's not really a lot of middle ground here. Um, the one thing that was a common thread, even uh, though on the negative reviews, is that um, Jay Bayona did bring some of his signature style and suspense to the franchise, but it just really wasn't enough to make the movie as a whole better for them. Uh, but it does seem like he really did bring his own touch to this movie, and uh, apparently there are some moments that feel like they have the same wonder and uh, intensity as the original Jurassic Park, but nothing that's really quite as, uh, really quite as magical as that first experience with the original Jurassic Park. Yeah, I think people that are waiting for Jurassic Park or Jurassic World movie to to reach the level of Jurassic Park, which is one of the best movies of all time, should stop waiting. I <laughs> mean, that's just not going to happen. Um, it is. Uh, I would also say that, you know, I'm one of those people that I'm not a spoiler phobe. Uh, I often tell people, you know, watch trailers, enjoy tra- trailers. The trailers for Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom uh, do feature a lot of imagery from the last 10 minutes of the movie. And I do think are, are quite spoilers. Um, and maybe knowing that's a spoiler. I don't know. Uh, so I would I would say stay away from TV spots. Stay away from trailers until you see the movie if you're excited to see this. Uh, I did want to mention uh, a story that happened. I, I saw this at AMC Theaters in Century City at 10 a.m. at a 10 a.m. screening. They did screenings throughout the day. I wasn't at this screening at noon, uh, but uh, Jim from IGN was, and he posted about this on his Facebook. And I wanted to share the story with you guys. I'm not sure if you saw my tweet about this, but uh, he said uh, I had to exit Jurassic World 2 close to the end of the movie because there was a horrible medical emergency in the theater. Someone was having a seizure, but because the fucking booth had is automated, uh, then people screaming at the projectionist to turn on the house lights didn't work because there was no one there. And everyone was made to lock their phones up in bags like uh, they were at a premiere, so no one could call 911 or provide any lights from their phones. The dude wasn't responded by the time... Uh, there were lights and the theater was cleared. Uh, this place, 
the reps, and security were all completely unprepared for this emergency. But hey, no, no one pirated a movie that is already out in theaters overseas. So I don't know. This is a horrifying story because this is like my worst fear is like, you know, uh, having a heart attack in a movie theater and no one noticing <laughs> until the lights go on or like, you know, going to a haunted house and somehow dying horrifically. And like, you know, no one notices until the end of the night that you're not just a prop in the haunted house. Um, but it, it, like, it's weird. <laughs> such a, that's such a specific fear. Is that, it, is it that is, really one of your, <laughs> it, it is a fear. Uh, I don't know why, but, uh, it's something I've often thought about maybe because I spent so much of my life in movie theaters and, uh, my fear is falling down the stairs and accidentally impaling my eye. <laughs> I mean, okay. Oh, weird. <laughs> Chris, I, I, I have bigger fears than this, but that, that, that is one of my, my fears. Uh, okay. Okay. My fear, my biggest fear is dropping a knife and it landing right in my foot. That's a big sitcom trope. I can see that being a fear. Yeah, yeah I know. I'm afraid of anything puncturing anything. Is it, is it really a big sitcom trope? Well, I, I just know it from like Friends, for example. Uh, I'm pretty I'm pretty sure it's not that common, but I just watch Friends a lot. So, gotcha. yeah, um. I don't know. I just wanted to bring up the story because I thought it was interesting. Uh, a lot, of, a lot of these premieres and stuff they have. Uh, I know you guys aren't in Hollywood. I'm not sure if they do this in New York, Chris. Maybe you could tell me. But they have us put our phones in these like locked bags that can't be opened until you exit the theater. Like there's a security yeah, guy. Uh, it's not every screening, but anytime I go to like a big screening, like a Marvel screening or a Star Wars screening, um, they do. They either make us leave our phones or they say, don't even bring your phone. So I usually um, lock it in my car. Now that I told people this, someone's going to break into my car. Now that they've heard this, but but uh, yeah, I, I usually lock it in my glove box when because they, they give us, uh, you know, advance warning just because I don't. I feel weird leaving my phone with someone. It's just it's just, it's a very weird thing. I don't want to do I- that. I've had screenings that do that too. And usually they're big ones, but sometimes they're really arbitrary. Like one time I had one, uh, them take our phones for The Glass Castle, which is not a big movie by any means. And that was very strange. Man, they must really not trust you guys because <laughs> I, like, like I saw Infinity War and Solo uh, press screenings this year and they didn't give a shit about our phones. We were allowed to take them in and use them and they just they did not care. <laughs> Yeah, the, the weirdest thing is, you know, this is these are journalists that have relationships with these studios that uh, if they, you know, took a photo or pirated any footage, their lives would be over and their careers would be over. So I just don't understand why movie studios don't trust, you know, these people that they, you know, they choose to invite to their screenings. It's We're not like I, some randos off the streets. I could understand if it was a combo press public screening, like when they do ticket giveaways for like an advanced screening. Well, why, don't you so t- they, why, why, you, why don't you take their phones and like, you well, know. Because, well, well, because you, you don't necessarily know who is who in the theater and you're going to have like someone walking up to you and being like, if they see you like check the time on your phone or something, they're going to be like, excuse me, you know, like you need to leave or something like that. So it's better probably and easier yeah. to just have no one have their phone. Not to get into specifics, but we usually have like a press section in our theater and then the, the, the random, you know, radio giveaways like go in another section. Uh, anyways, not to get into like it's not about me feeling entitled and wanting to have my phone uh, with me. It's just uh, I don't know. To me, it's horrifying that like some I, I, I later heard that this guy is OK. People saw him being taken out eventually and uh, being fine um, or at least, you know 
appearing to be conscious and stuff. Um, I don't know. It's just horrifying that someone could die because, you know, studios didn't trust journalists to not pirate footage on screen. There's no, is no one else appalled by this? Oh, I'm not. appalled. It's <laughs> it's horrible. <laughs> okay. I'm I didn't so- want to say like best be silent, be like, no, this is all right. No, it's terrible. Yeah. Uh okay. We'll we'll move on. I I just thought that was an interesting uh story that was something that only probably happens in LA. Uh let's move on to Incredibles Two. That was a movie that screened last night and had its world premiere in Hollywood. Uh I was at a screening. Uh this is a film. Uh, or the first film is one of my favorite uh, Pixar movies of all time. Brad, I know it's one of yours as well. Uh, I should have been more excited going into this film than I was. Maybe it's been, what, the 14 years since the original has come out. It's kind of uh, been a long wait, and it, the trailers don't kind of, you know, present it more of kind of like a uh, fun family adventure and not something epic and big and exciting. Uh I'm here to tell you that the movie is good, but, uh, yeah, it's not epic, big or exciting. Uh, I'm not going to give away any spoilers for the film, but the, the villains in the, the villain in the film is dumb. Uh, just like Jurassic world is the villain is dumb. And, uh, I don't know. I, I enjoyed it. Uh, Jack, Jack and Edna steal the show. I want to see a short film with Jack, Jack, uh, being babysat by Edna mode. And, uh, and Giacchino's score is amazing. The production design is incredible. I want to live in that house. Uh, I want to see more of this team together. And I was kind of hoping after that first Incredibles film that we would see, you know, a more kind of like Fantastic Four-ish uh, film where we get to see them together using their powers more. But uh, as you can see from the setups and the trailers, that is not the case. You know, the the, the, the family is kind of separated for most of the film. Uh Brad, or wait, uh, who who did the roundup for this? HT. I did. <laughs> yeah. Uh, what, what do people think of Incredibles? I think I'm, I'm the only person that was kind of lukewarm on this. Yeah, Peter, you were the only one who was lukewarm on this movie. Everyone else was basically over the moon for Incredibles 2. Uh, some people even suggested it was uh, better than the original, which was worlds away than, from your reaction. Blasphemy. Um, Blasphemy. <laughs> there, there's no way this is better than the original. But okay, go on. <laughs> So the first reaction was from Jermaine Lucier, who used to work for Slash Film and now works for io9. He said, Incredibles 2 is excellent, super funny, super smart, and the action is bigger and better than before. It shares some narrative DNA with the first film, but works nonetheless. Uh, Another Pixar winner. Uh, A few people said that this is the best Pixar movie, uh, Pixar sequel yet. Or one of the best Pixar sequels yet. Apologies. Um, And that... uh, this uh, they also gave effusive praise for Michael Giacchino's score as well. And uh, one person, uh, Skylar Schuler, said Incredibles 2 is easily Pixar's best sequel since Toy Story 3, which is also high praise. So, yeah, a lot of a uh, lot of excitement for this film. And no one's saying the same thing as you, Peter. I don't know. I, I agree with a lot of these uh, statements that you've read, except for the you know best sequel yet, which is insane because you know Toy Story three and Toy Story two uh, are just like some of the best sequels of all time. And um, I don't know. It's, it's strange to me that you wanted something bigger and more epic when like The Incredibles, the first one is is all about like the focus on the family, and they just also well, happen. I, to- I wanted more of the family together, and I feel like, 
you know, I don't think I'm spoiling anything by saying, you know, the the plot is uh, Mrs. Incredible going off on her own and the the family unit kind of being divided because, you know, it's Mr. Incredible has to take care of them. I don't know. Like, I want to see them together on an adventure. Maybe not epic. Epic's probably the bad word for it. But uh, I don't know. Uh, Also... It's it's kind of weird coming to a Pixar movie after all this time and I having kind of, uh, you know, I, I I expect Pixar movies to make me cry or to be very emotionally involved. And this is a fun adventure, but it's not uh, it's not that kind of Pixar film. You know I, mean? I mean, that was kind of the first film, too. It wasn't yeah. quite that emotionally involved either. It was just a fun romp, like a fun family romp. And that's fine as well. Yeah. No. And don't get me wrong here. I'm not saying this movie is bad. <laughs> this is a very good movie. I would give it like 7.5 out of 10. You know, I, th- that's a good movie. Uh, I just don't think, uh, I don't know. I just don't think this is anywhere on the level of that first film. But maybe that first. Can't, can't believe you hate Incredibles 2, Peter. That's crazy. <laughs> <sighs> okay. Peter's a hater. <laughs> Brad, let's move on to Hotel Artemis. The, the the first buzz came online, and you did a roundup for the site. Uh, by the way, what is this film? Because this is not on the level of the, the two films we just mentioned, and what do people think of it? Yeah, so this is a movie that um, feels like it might be set within the John Wick universe, but it is not. It uh, follows a hotel that is set up as a sort of a haven for criminals to make an escape and get healed up when they're on the run from the law or from other criminals, what have you. It's run by Jodie Foster, who's sort of this old, disheveled, slightly rough around the edges nurse. And it features an ensemble cast of, you know, a collection that is very strange to see altogether in a movie. Sterling K. Brown, Sophia Batella, Jeff Goldblum, Jenny Slate, Zachary Quinto, Charlie Day, Dave Batista. Um, and then the, the danger and, you know, intrigue sort of escalates as the night goes on because apparently something Sterling K. Brown has is something that Jeff Goldblum and his gang wants. And you're not supposed to kill each other or fight in the hotel, but they start breaking rules and all hell breaks loose. It's uh, directed by Drew Pierce, who is the writer of Iron Man 3. He's making his directorial debut here. Um, and it sounds like even though he makes quite a stylish and uh, wild debut uh, with this action movie, the movie never really comes together to be as good as it, it should have been or could have been. Uh, a lot of the reactions say that it, it kind of falls short, that it, it's less than the sum of some of its more imaginative parts. There's some cool action sequences, but it's not enough to make up for some of the uh missteps that it takes as far as the story is concerned some of the writing apparently is a a bit schlocky uh so a a lot of the more positive things seem to indicate that there's potential and promise for drew pierce as a director but just that this movie never really comes together as a whole to be quite as satisfying as you might hope it would be makes that that's about where i thought it was gonna to land uh but let's move on to some trailers because there's been some awesome trailers hitting this week uh because what jurassic world is coming out and incredibles so i i think the trailers uh you know are gearing up to be released on those films and thus they're online a little bit early uh first let's talk about spider-man into the spider-verse which we had seen a teaser trailer of this before which revealing Miles Morales as uh, the new Spider-Man in this alternate uh, Spider-Man universe. This trailer, I guess, shows us a little bit more of this 
alternate Spider-Man universe and actually kind of explains that it is this you know alternate dimension where other people are Spider-Man and other other men and women are you know Spider-Men uh, or Spider-Women or whatever you want to call them uh, Spider uh, and uh, I don't know it, it, the the art looks incredible the 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 animation style I, I'm so in for this uh, Brad. What are your thoughts on this trailer? I love the trailer. I think it's fantastic. The The animation style alone uh, is enough to get excited. It's such a refreshing new aesthetic that we're seeing. Uh, we haven't really seen animation like this on the big screen on this scale before. I, I love the feeling of Lord and Miller's signature you know, humor in there, which is a little bit uh, meta, obviously. I like the idea that this is expanding into a side of the Spider-Man universe that we haven't seen in a movie yet. Um, I think it really is capturing the essence of a comic book movie in animated form. And I, I hope that this is a big enough hit and that people like it enough that we start to see more movies, uh, comic book movies, take a cue from this and really pull some of the more fantastic uh, otherworldly side of comic books and adapt them into animated movies uh, for stories that maybe might not work as well in a live action format. I am so excited about it. It looks completely gorgeous, and I like the way that it plays with that sort of comic book format in that it has like text bubbles pop up, and it's really striking sort of graphic animation style that I'm not really sure what they use, but or like what kind of style they use, but it's very um, eye-catching, and I like it a lot. And uh, but it, it's funny to me to hear Jake Johnson's voice, um, the original Spider-Man, because he has this really deadbeat sort of tone to him. And the fact that like Spider-Man looks like Cameron Fry from like um, Ferris Bueller is just hilarious to me as well. So um, but I like it. It gives it's a really exciting trailer. And um, I'm excited to see this story and to also see the glimpse we get of uh, Gwen Stacy as Spider-Gwen at the end as well. Yeah, I think that was a little bit unexpected, a good uh, pop at the end there. And it, Brad, I think you said it in the, the Slack channel or Slash Film Slack channel, but do you think that ending beat is to tease like the reveal of more characters at Comic-Con or is it just yeah. a joke? No, I, I, I mean, I, I imagine it will. It might be a joke in the movie because like, there are some other you know meta stuff in there. But I think that that's definitely a tease as to like Sony's going to bring something to Comic-Con where they're going to reveal just, you know, how many spider-verse characters will be will be in this movie uh, i think it looks great um when it was first announced i was sort of like like the last thing we need is another spider-man movie but this looks fantastic i love the animation style because it doesn't really look like anything else like the it's the movements and the, like the way it's illustrated i don't even i don't even know what i'd even call this kind of animation it doesn't look like your standard it almost looks film. like uh, it almost looks like cell shaded like video games, but that's not quite it either. I don't... It also looks somewhat like rotoscoping in a way too. Yeah, but yeah I'm I not really sure. That. Yeah, yeah, it just it does not. It doesn't like the way they the characters move and like the the coloring. I can't even explain it really, but it looks so different, and that alone has my interest like you know through the roof for this. I, I've gone from being apathetic to really wanting to see this. It's so weird because I, I would traditionally feel like this many characters in a superhero film or even a Spider-Man film is probably a bad idea. But for some reason, I, I you know, I have faith in Lord and Miller and this just looks uh, interesting and exciting. 
Uh, I can't wait to see it. Uh, but let's talk about uh, Transformers. Uh, they have released the trailer for Bumblebee, which is the new standalone uh, origin story of Bumblebee. Uh, and uh, let's just go uh, quickly to UHT. What, what did you think of the trailer for Bumblebee? I was surprisingly charmed by the trailer. I got a kind of Amblin uh, sort of vibe to it when I first watched it. And it has definitely a more ch- like family friendly, uh, nostalgic feel versus the aggressive sort of violent versions that we've had in the new tra- in Michael Bay's Transformers and uh, I I was found myself charmed I I was excited and I like Haley Seinfeld a lot I will watch most movies she's in even if sometimes her track record is a little bit spotty but uh, I think that this version of Bumblebee 2 with his sort of like more rotund design that matches the beetle that he shows up in uh, is much more um, appealing to me I do like uh, the the roundness of this uh, version of Bumblebee. I mean, I guess he's based on a what a VW bug. Um, but uh, let's go to Chris. Chris, what is your reaction to this trailer? This uh, I kind of hate myself because I really liked this trailer. I I hate the Transformers films. They're they're across the board awful. They they look bad. They're just big, loud, ugly monstrosities. But this looks so charming i can't i can't get over it um you know that that initial reveal where bumblebee is like cowering in the corner and, he and Haley Stenfield, i know and then she like she puts her hand on his face i was like i melted i was like i can't believe how good this looks screw you bumblebee the movie so I, i'm in i i've uh i've gone from <laughs> having zero interest in this to saying fine i will i will see bumblebee Brad, are you also now sold on Bumblebee? Yeah, for sure. This honestly, it, it just feels like a Transformers reboot, and they're starting over from scratch, going back, you know, in, in time, do a little bit to the '80s for this movie. And it, it, I actually will defend the first Transformers movie because I think the first Transformers movie is fantastic, uh, with the exception of some of Michael Bay's, you know, less than desirable traits Jokes, in filmmaking. Yeah, yeah his, his comedy is awful. Um, you know, and some, you know, some of his lingering uh ogling shots of you know his his you know hot female characters or air quotes um he it's it's actually a really good movie that you can feel like spielberg maybe had some input and like you can see what he saw in this kind of story and then after that the sequels just go into something ridiculous and pure michael bay so this has that that kind of spirit that i like about the first transformers movie and it actually looks like it could has the potential to be even better so i'm i'm hoping for the best yeah, I, I also am hoping for the best. I saw some of this footage at CinemaCon. They actually showed the full scene of her first meeting Bumblebee, which is like the crux of this trailer. Uh, then they showed us a trailer which was more like a traditional Transformers trailer. I think they saw the reaction from that crowd at CinemaCon and put together this trailer, which is the majority of you know that scene that everybody loved and uh, not as much of the trailer that people didn't like um, or didn't you know respond as well to. Uh, I will say this. I had heard that the script to the, for this isn't great. I know they had some test screenings that uh, weren't so hot, but you never know with test screenings. You know, they've had test screenings for Pixar movies that ended up being, you know, some of our favorite movies of all time. So that's nothing to to to, to indicate of anything. I you know, I'm I'm excited to see Travis Knight's uh, 
debut live action film after coming off all the stuff he's done at Leica. And, uh, you know, I'm a big fan of uh, what uh, Haley is doing. And, uh, yeah, I, I'm excited to see this. I'm, I'm interested to see if, uh, you know, I feel I, I'm, I'm much like you, Brad. I liked the first Transformers films. And uh, as we went on, they got uh, kind of progressively worse. And, um, you know, I'm excited to be excited for a Transformers movie again. Was someone going to say something there? I'm sorry. Oh, I was just thinking, like, wasn't there a scene in the first Transformer was Transformers where Bumblebee pees on John Turturro? <laughs> I don't think it's Bumblebee that does it. I think it's one of the other Transformers. <laughs> but but yes, that he, he he does uh, dump whatever fluid is inside the car that probably isn't pee onto John Turturro. Listen, I'm not say- I'm not saying the original Transformers is a masterpiece or anything. But That's I- one of. That's one of the Michael Bay's stupid jokes. Then we just we just don't talk about it, okay? Yes. Okay, let's move on to our last and final trailer, which we have to do quick, and that is for A Star is Born, the Bradley Cooper and Lady Gaga uh, film. Uh, Chris, what are your thoughts on this movie or this trailer? This looks good. Uh, I don't know. I don't. I don't know what I was thinking it would be beforehand. Like I was. I don't know. Maybe I just wasn't interested in it, but. It, I mean, you know, story-wise, it looks a little cliche, but that's sort of the Star is Born story in general. It's just a cliche story, but uh, it looks like Bradley Cooper knows what he's doing uh, directing-wise, and um, I'm actually interested in seeing this. Yeah, I, seeing this trailer first time at CinemaCon, I was surprised. You know, I've seen Lady Gaga in things like American Horror Story, but she's usually playing, like, a version of Lady Gaga, the character, and uh, I think in this, we get to see her in a more vulnerable, uh, we see the promise of a great performance there. Ichi, I know you were saying similar things in chat. Uh, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I I was on the same boat as Chris. I didn't really know what to think of this movie. I heard that it was on its way and it was kind of, it kind of had like a troubled history. It was in the works since 2011 with Clint Eastwood originally set to direct, but then Bradley Cooper came on board and uh, it was meant to be released earlier, I think, but now we're seeing the first trailer and yeah, I was surprised. I actually thought it was a really good trailer and um, it didn't feel like a, just a shot for shot remake of the 1972 version. Um, the one starring Barbara yeah. 1970s version starring Barbara Streisand and Chris Christopherson. But uh, I like that it had sort of like a country spin on it and that uh, Bradley Cooper was giving this nice, weary performance that will definitely, I think, get him in the Oscar uh, buzz talk. And um, yeah, it, it looks like a great film. And I I was impressed by Lady Gaga as well. I think I haven't seen her act a lot, um, but she gives a very vulnerable performance in the trailer that we saw. So I liked it. Yeah, I think uh, Lady Gaga looks like she's going to be an impressive actress. Um, there's nothing about this trailer that like jumps out at me as like, oh my god, this is a must-see, this looks incredible. You know, uh, like Chris said, it, it does look like your average kind of musical uh, biopic kind of kind of flair. Like, I feel like there's some remnants of Country Strong and Crazy Heart in there mixed together. Um, so it's, you know, it, it looks compelling enough. Like, I think... What will really sell it will be the chemistry between Bradley Cooper uh, and Lady Gaga. And, you know, hopefully the soundtrack will be something that is worth listening to as well. So 
not necessarily jumping out of my seat, you know, waiting to buy tickets for it, but I'll definitely uh, check it out when it comes around. Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of waiting to see if there's going to be some, like, Oscar buzz or, you know, when the first screenings of this uh, happen, if we're going to hear, you know, it that it is something special. Because right now it looks like it could it has the potential to be something special or it could just be a, you know, one of those biopics that you, you mentioned. Uh, but we'll have to wait and see. And uh, th- those screenings will probably happen, uh, what, in a couple months. Uh, yeah. But uh, – that does it for today's edition of Slash Film Daily. Brad, where can people find more of your work online? You can check me out on SlashFilm.com. You can also find me on Twitter at Ethan underscore Anderton. And you can check out my podcast, Go Flick Yourself, on iTunes and other podcasting platforms. You can find me on Twitter at HTrendBoo and every day at SlashFilm.com. Chris, if we need to find you and find your car in a parking garage <laughs> outside a movie theater, where can we find you? Uh, don't don't do that. But you can find me at slashfilm.com and I'm on Twitter at C Evangelista413. You can find me at slashfilm and on slashfilm.com. You can find all the stories we've talked about today in the show notes and linked on uh, slashfilm.com. Uh, this podcast, Slash Film Daily, is published every weekday on iTunes, Google Play, Overcast, Spotify, all the popular podcast apps. Please uh, go rate and review this podcast on iTunes. Tell your friends, spread the word, and we'll see you tomorrow. <laughs>